Hey friends, Pastor Andrew here. Thanks for taking the time to listen in on our sermons here at Asheville First Church of the Nazarene. We post these even though they were preached in a specific time at a specific place to a certain community of people, hoping that God still might use them to speak to you wherever you are. Don't worry about anything. You know, but Jesus, I live in the real world. I have bills to pay. I have to go to work. I have to worry. Jesus, I've got a family to feed. I've got things to take care of. If I don't worry about it, who will? So we just kind of pass it off. And I, 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 understand, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I'm a planner. Uh, I, I like to have a plan. I grew up, I was a very anxious child. Um, I had a stomach ache every day before going to school in elementary school. Um, it was just, it's something that was built into me. And I think some of us know that. I mean, um, I, I come through it honestly. I can trace through my mother's family um, the anxiety streak, right? Rather, whether it was nature or nurture, I was a very anxious child. And so this morning, I'm not talking about anything that I don't know personally. Um, if there's any one area of growth and spiritual growth and, and just growth in general, I've had to work on and still continually have to work on, it's probably my struggle with an anxiety, right? Um, and I, I know people say, well, you get up and you get in front of people and different things like that, and we all carry it in different ways. Um, so I just kind of want to do a disclaimer as we talk this morning. Don't, don't everything I'm putting down on, on us uh, that worry. And I know for many of us, and sometimes as we get older, it, our guard for worry and anxiety decreases. And, um, and, and so I, I know that, and I know uh, some of us definitely struggle with it. And uh, I don't like to talk about the things I struggle with. Pastors shouldn't do that, but I think this is one where it's safe to say it's okay for you to know that I do struggle sometimes with anxiety. Um, but, you know, I, I think as we look at it, um, I also want us to know that there's a physical component to this, that we shouldn't, um, we should not look down on people that struggle with it. And that's one of the things that really makes me upset is when someone who doesn't struggle with it and do, doesn't have a concern, they just, well, d- just don't worry, like stop it, right? And if you've ever struggled, if you've ever had a bout of anxiety, you know sometimes you, you, you actually don't have a choice, right? Um, I explain it this way in my experience. Um, most of us at, at times of, you know, things are stressing us out. We can, we can put our worries into a category and say, yeah, I'm not gonna worry. I don't need to worry about that. I shouldn't worry about that, right? But as stress increases during times of transition, something happens physically in our mind, a lever goes, and, and as much as we try, we, we can't pull back that lever of anxiety. There's something sometimes physically that happens, and we call this acute anxiety and worry. And, and some of us are, have more propensity to that, and it's a very much a struggle. It's a burden that it's not an easy choice all the time. Am I, am I making sense? Like there are physical components. There's physical components. We know that because otherwise medication wouldn't help with this. But for some of us, medication does help, right? Um, and I want us to be clear. We, we need to do a much better job in the church of understanding uh, healthy ways about mental health. It's a real thing um, that we need to take care of. And sometimes some of us will need to take medication 
to help with mental health. And you should not feel bad about that. You should not say, oh, I'm a weaker person for that. We all need help sometimes. And some of us physically or how we were raised have a much stronger propensity towards that. Um, sometimes there's certain events in life or sometimes as we just get older, anxieties can increase and we need help with that, okay? Um, but just like, it's a lot like physical health, right? And, and just like, you know, if you go to a doctor and if you have high cholesterol, talking about physical, you can't control that sometimes. Um, sometimes you have genetics for that. But if you go to a doctor and the doctor says, here's a pill, now you can eat Burger King every day for the rest of your life, go find another doctor, right? right? We know that that pill will help, but the doctor is also going to tell you, you need to exercise and eat right, or you're going to still run into problems. It's the same for mental health. Um, whether you struggle with it or not, whether medication helps or not, what we are all talking about is there are certain ways, I firmly believe in what Jesus is talking about, there are certain practices we can do, there are certain ways of living that we all need to do, to guard our minds and our spiritual health. Um, it, it's both and. And if, if you don't struggle with it at all, you're saying, Pastor, I've never had a worry in my life. I'd tell you, you're probably lying um, because you may just not worry about what other people worry about. Uh, but also, that's great for you. But some of us on the other side of the fence, we do struggle with it. Um, and, you know, it, it's nothing to feel guilty about. It's a part of life. But what I'm saying is for, I'm preaching one to myself, say there are things even spiritually and mentally and as we go through this that we do and we can be freed from that heavy burden, all right? So that, that's kind of my uh, disclaimer. So if it's so complicated and if it's something that many of us will struggle with, why does Jesus seem to just, you know, make it sound so simple? I mean, he's not even just saying, hey, don't sweat the small stuff. He's saying, don't sweat the big stuff. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you are going to wear or eat, right? And this was, not, this was a culture where they didn't have an Ingalls down the road stocked full to the brim. If the farmers around you didn't bring in a harvest, you were going to be going through a hard time, right? Um, it's because Jesus knows that we weren't made to operate under worry and anxiety. Um, Jesus knows that it's a heavy burden that he doesn't want us to carry. It, it weakens life. It, it harms life. Um, it harms us. It's, it's one of the only things that you can do that you're, you're only hurting yourself. You're only putting that burden on yourself when you worry and struggle with anxiety. And so uh, Jesus knows that it's destructive to life, and so he tells us he wants us to be free from that. This is what it looks like in the kingdom of God. You can live this way, right? And I think this is a message for our time. I really do. I don't know if you've heard or, or if you've seen somewhere or read something, um, but it seems that all the studies are showing us that anxiety and anxiety disorders are on the rise, not only here in America, but around the world. And, and also, it's actually they're very worried about younger generations. Uh, the younger generations, the, the rates of anxiety are increasing, increasing, and somewhat at an alarming rate. Um, and I, I think it's important for us to kind of understand some of that. There was a study, a 40-year study, that looked at incoming freshmen in college. And they, they were trying to figure out what were some of the changing 
viewpoints and um, goals of incoming freshmen at, from the 1960s to the early 2000s. And the, and the study noticed that the importance that freshmen in college placed on financial gains almost doubled since the 1960s to the early 2000s. So the, the, what they were saying is, is their, their goal to make money going into college doubled. And what decreased from 1960 to the early 2000s heavily was the goal to develop a meaningful philosophy for life. It, it dropped dramatically. So if you notice, there was an increase in wanting to gain more money and a very much a decrease of saying, I need to you know, focus on what's really meaningful in life. Um, another study looked at, they were trying to figure out why there was such increased anxiety and pathology um, in the younger generations over a, a large, and they analyzed a lot of study. This is what they said. The results best fit a model citing cultural shifts towards extrinsic goals, such as materialism and status, and away from intrinsic goals, such as community, meaning in life and affiliation. So what they're saying basically is that they've noticed over the time period, the only, when the risks and anxiety and different mental health things they could attribute it to was because people were focusing more and more on outside goals, wealth, status, fame, power, and they, they stopped focusing on intrinsic goals about meaning of life and community and connection with others. And I point out all this, why, Pastor, why are you talking about studies and why are you talking about money and the pursuit of wealth? Um, we're talking about worrying, we're talking about anxiety, right? I say all that because the studies now are pointing to exactly what Jesus is saying here. Um, this really isn't just a, a kuna matata passage. If we put this passage in its proper context, Jesus is still talking about money. If you look at the verses ahead of this, you realize that Jesus has just been talking about, don't build up treasure on earth, build up treasure in heaven, right? And by that, he means to give your money away if you build up treasure in heaven. He also says you can't serve almighty dollar and almighty God. You'll love the one and hate the other. You have to choose who you're going to serve. And then Jesus goes in to do not worry. He's not just saying, akuna matata, no worries, man. He's saying the two are connected. He's still talking about money. Jesus already knew what studies are now finding out. This isn't just in the younger generations. They've done large studies. Uh, did you know in poor countries, in third world countries, the poorest of the poor, their anxiety disorder rate is 1.6%, right, 1.6%. In the wealthiest countries, like in America, the anxiety rate is 5%. Much, much higher than the most poor countries. You would think it would be reversed. You would think money should help us figure out, oh, we have our needs met, we, we don't have to worry about different things, but it's just the reverse, right? Um, it's because when people have more money, when your strivings are for wealth and money, your anxiety for such things increases. And that's what Jesus is saying. And I think what's happening, if I'm gonna take a stab at what's happening to younger generations, even younger than me, um, is that you take those goals shifting over a period of time, and then you, you introduce technology and social media, 
And so now they have instant access to see what their friends have or don't have and what they're doing and their lives are so pretty and manicured online and it makes your anxiety increase because you don't have those things, even not knowing that those are fake, right? And it's like pouring gasoline on the fire. It's making literally kids and teenagers anxious and anxious and anxious. We have probably more than any other generation has had and yet anxiety levels are increasing. So we need the message of Jesus this morning to call into question, what are our strivings? Jesus is talking about worrying and anxiety, but he's getting to the deeper issue. What the deeper issue here is what he says in verses 31, 32, and 33. So therefore do not worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all of these things. Indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. What Jesus points out is the heart of worrying and anxiety is not just some mental switch you can flip on and off. The heart of it is what you're actually yearning after. What are you striving for? Where are you placing your hope? What is your chief desire, right? What are you striving after? And Jesus says, don't be like those other folks that are striving after the things of this world. Yeah, their needs, clothing and what we're going to eat and where we're going to live, the basics of life, their needs. But you can't strive first after those things. Jesus' answer to us, how we don't worry, how we live in a relationship with God, is not just to blink your eyes and say, I'm not going to worry anymore. Bleep. Jesus' answer is to examine the strivings of our hearts. He points out two examples. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't reap. They don't plant. They don't sow. They don't build barns. They don't strive and accumulate. They live season by season fully dependent on God, right? And he takes care of them beautifully, the birds of the air, right? He points out to the lilies of the field. He says, compare that to Solomon. Solomon was the biggest striver of them all. He had hundreds and hundreds of wives. He had houses bigger than anybody. He had clothes out. I mean, the Bible lists what he ate every day, and it was more than any man, 100 men could eat. He had everything. He was the picture of accumulation. And what Jesus says is not even Solomon had more than the lilies of the field who never toil and struggle. And God cares for them. And if God cares for them, how much more does he love you that he'll care for you as well? So why strive after those things? Strive first after the kingdom of of God and its righteousness, his righteousness. That should be the yearning of our hearts. Jesus points out that behind every worry is a yearning, is, is a concern to have something or to need something, even if it's the good things. We're not talking about a Ferrari that you're worrying about getting. Jesus here is talking about the things we all worry about. 
How are we going to provide for ourselves in the future? Will I have enough money? Where will I live in my older age? What happens to my family? Jesus is talking about these basic things. And that's how radical the call is to seek first the kingdom of God. He's not talking about little things here. He's saying don't sweat the big stuff. I want your eyes to be on the kingdom. It's only when we have that that we can be freed from the burden of worrying about our lives. The burden of having, struggling with anxiety of the things of this world. Our first pursuit has to be the kingdom of God. Jesus points out also that ultimately, God knows we need these things and they're not within our power to provide. That's what the kingdom perspective really is. You say, yeah, pastor, but I'm the one that goes to work every morning. I'm the one that found the job. I'm the one that puts the food on the table and the clothes on my family's back. What are you talking about? That's not the kingdom perspective, friend. If you still think that, then you, you, you're not following Christ. Because when you follow Christ and when you enter into the kingdom life, you realize everything you have is a gift from God. And the way you got it is just details of how God was working in your life. It's like, I don't know if you've heard the story. Um, uh, there is a, it's a fictional story. It's a parable, if you will. Uh, a hurricane came and flooded a town. A guy had to crawl up on his roof. Marilyn, did you tell me this, I think? Um, I give credit where credit's due. Marilyn told me this. Guy crawls up on his roof, and uh, it's floodwaters all around, and the Coast Guard's helicopter comes by and says, you know, grab onto the rope, we'll take you away. And he says, no, God's going to save me. God's going to take care of me. And I say, okay. Helicopter flies away. His neighbor comes on a boat, floats by his house on a boat, says, hey, come on, look, we're going, you know, to the shelter. He says, no, God's going to take care of me, right? Uh, and then finally, nothing comes and the waters overtake the man. He goes to heaven and, and he goes to God and he says, God, why didn't you save me? And he said, friend, I sent you a helicopter and a boat. What else do you want me to do? <laughs> that is the way we look at life. It is all God's gift. You are owed nothing. You are owed nothing. Don't look at it. It's all God's gift. And God knows what you need. Everything you have or will ever have, whether it be family, whether it be a house, whether it be clothing, is God's gift and blessing to you. That's the kingdom perspective. And that's what frees us from worry and anxiety because it's not in my power. I depend on God for everything I have. Yeah, I may have to go to work. Yeah, I may have to write the check. But I know that's just the details of how God is providing for me. Uh, and so the kingdom perspective really is that everything is a blessing from God. And therefore, we simply put all of our hope, all of our yearnings, all of our strivings towards his kingdom and his righteousness and living about that. Here's what it's not, though, and I want to be clear about this. It's not, don't worry because nothing bad will ever happen. Because we've all lived enough. We all, our prayer request lists are long enough that we know that bad things happen to good people, to God's people. We live in a broken world. Bad things happen. And you know what my, my flesh side of me says to that? Well, Andrew, that's why you need to worry then. 
bad things do happen to good people, so you need to be on alert, right? That's how an anxious mind works, right? See, you, you know it, right? That's not what Jesus, Jesus himself, I mean, suffered fear and anxiety in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was sweating blood, right? He suffered and died for us. Paul, the picture of faith, the emblem of faith, he suffered. He went hungry. He went without, right? He ultimately gave his life for the witness to the gospel. Um, we know bad things happen in this life. This is not don't worry because nothing bad will be happening. It's don't worry, one, because it's out of your control. You can't add an hour to your life, so worrying only hurts you. And it's also, don't worry because you have faith that whatever may come your way, God will see you through it. God will never leave you. God can take the pains and the brokenness of this world and turn it into something good. God can heal you. So I don't want you to ever think, oh, I don't have to worry because God's going to fix everything in my life and it's going to be smooth sailing all the time because that will wreck your faith. And I think I see that out in the world today. People lose their faith when bad things happen to them. We are called not to worry because we're not striving after a life of comfort and ease. That's what the Gentiles, that's what the world is striving after. Our striving, our yearning is just for the kingdom of God. And if there's bumps and bruises and pains along the way, God will be with us through it. But our hope is not destroyed because our hope is only on the kingdom of God and his righteousness living in our lives. Uh, let me just give a personal example of kind of how this can play out in your life, and this really helped me uh, put it in perspective. Um, when I was, you know, I said I was an anxious kid, but I, I did some stupid stuff growing up, and, you know, as I got to college, I kind of felt some, I don't know, it's weird when you're an anxious person, there's some things you're not anxious about, and I did some stupid stuff, you know. Uh, Vincent, you know, we talked about some of our things we shouldn't have done sometimes. I remember going down the interstate on my motorcycle at 80 miles an hour in swimming trunks and flip-flops. Just wailing on it. <laughs> Having a great time. I was in college. Was, I think back now. I, I once, I, I, I love to cliff jump, right? Have you ever been cliff jumping or heard about cliff jumping? I was introduced in college. I loved it. I, I, I would, I remember one time we jumped off a 60-foot high bridge. Um, that one stung. I'll have to be honest with you. There was a little lower portion. It was probably 45 feet or so, and I was diving head first. I mean, it was so that you had to clench your fist and lock your shoulders or else it would rip you some joints out, right? I mean, I loved it. I, was, I just jumped, whew, you know, I felt like I was parachuting without a parachute. So I've done some stupid stuff. Not really worried about it. When my son was born, there was a fear that creeped into my life that I had never known. Um, I became a, a fearful man all of a sudden. My fear is twofold. My I'm talking about my deepest fears here. It's twofold. One is that my life would be cut short and Desmond would be raised without me. 
Or the other side of the coin is that Desmond's life would be cut short. And that I don't know what I would do with that pain and that loss. Um, that fear kind of caught me off guard. That's why I sold my motorcycle. I didn't want to take any chances with that. Um, it's a, re- a real fear that I've had to struggle with this last year and a half, worrying about that, right? Um, but even into that deep fear, I think that's one we can sympathize with. Many of us, our deepest fears are wrapped up with our children, right? Even into that deep fear, Jesus can speak to us and say, do not worry. It's not because something bad may not happen. I, I know preachers my age that have dropped dead. I watched my brother lose his son. It's not because, oh, that won't happen. Pastor, don't talk like that. If we're going to talk about worrying, let's be honest about what we worry about, what I worry about. Here's what Jesus says to me that I have to remind myself of. Jesus reminds me, number one, it's out of my control. I am fooling myself if I think it's within my power to keep my son alive. In fact, Bad things happen when I try to take that control in my life, both for him and for me. I'm willing to do unhealthy and sinful things even out in the world to keep him alive if I try to take that power within myself. And ultimately, I don't have that power. Desmond is a gift from God. And whatever time I have with him is a gift from God, which I'm thankful for. Number two, the fear that I don't want to think about that pain, that misery, if I lost him. That shows a lack of faith that God wouldn't be able to see me through that pain. I mean, it's the deepest pain I could imagine losing my son. Or it's, or it's a lack of faith that if I die, that God wouldn't take care of my son. That God wouldn't provide for him. I'm not worried about Rebecca. She'll remarry in heartbeat and be fine. <laughs> well, Jesus speaks into that. That I will provide even in the storm. That God's healing is so strong to even overcome that. That he would be with me. So I have to have faith that God would see me through the worst time in my life, right? And the third thing that I realize, that's not coming to mind. Um, the third, and this is probably most important, is that that worry and fear points to, I, I need to make sure that my strivings are in line with Christ. That if my strivings, my hopes, my chief pursuit in life is to have a picture-perfect family, to not let anything happen to Desmond, just to have just this most beautiful life, then my strivings are off base. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, children are one of life's greatest joys, and it is so true for my life. My life has been illuminated by the joy of having my son. I'll never, I would never go back. But the truth is, is 
no matter how good that joy is, my first striving has to be on the kingdom of God. That Jesus does say you have to hate your family in terms of loving the kingdom. That that fear and anxiety points out to me I need to be on guard. That Desmond doesn't become my life. That my family doesn't become my life. Because I have to seek first the kingdom of God. That's how deep the perspective goes. But here's the beautiful thing. When I go through that list, and I have to go through it a lot sometimes, I realize, oh, do not worry about this life is possible. It's possible. It's a reality that we can experience in the kingdom. It's not one I'm telling you that you're going to experience all the time. You might have to remind yourself. You may have to pray. You may have to go through the list. But it's possible that we can release, that when our strivings are focused on the kingdom of God, it's like a weight lifted. And here's the beautiful thing, that I, now my relationship with Desmond doesn't have to be tainted by anxiety and fear. Now I just get to love him with a free and unabashed love and give him over to God, right? So here's what I want us to do. You're going to say, Pastor, I know I'm probably going to still worry sometimes, and I know some of us are going to. Here's what I, the way I want you to think about it, all right? I want you to think about worry and anxiety like your spiritual nervous system. Get the pun there, nervous system. But think about your physical nervous system, right? Your physical nervous system, you get pain responses, and it tells you when there's something wrong, right? Uh, you bump your hand, you say, ow, I don't need to do that again. That's, that's bad. If you didn't have pain, lepers don't have pain in their hands. Bad things happen when you don't have pain. Worry and anxiety are kind of the nervous system of the soul. And when you start to worry or become anxious about something, it's, it's telling you something might be wrong with your relationship to that thing. Whether it be money, whether it be politics, whether it be your family, whether it be your health, it calls into question number one, is that something you're striving after? Is that something you're putting your hopes in? Is that something that you think your life is based upon? It's pointing out a disordered relationship to that thing. And you need to put it in context of, I have to seek first and strive first after the kingdom of God. That's where my hope is. But also it points out, do you think that's within your power to control? Or are you having faith that God will provide and God will see you through it? You see, when worries and anxieties creep up, I want you just to say, I think this is showing me something within myself that God, I need God's help with. So I don't want you to have a worry and anxiety pop into your head and say, ah, I don't need to do that. I need to stop worrying. Don't do that. I mean, that, that won't work, right? That won't. Right, yeah. Mark, you said I tried that. It doesn't work too well, does it? I've tried it too. I've laid awake at night and said, don't worry, don't worry. Right? You got you to pray. But allow it to show, say, okay, God, I'm worrying about this. It's pointing to, I need to release it to you. Why am I worrying about this? Maybe my strivings are misaligned. Maybe I think it's within my power when it's not, right? Um, and allow that to show you. And allow God to heal you and realign you and give it over to him. That's, when, that's the kingdom perspective. That's the freedom that we can have. 
Um, and some of us, it, it will be more of a struggle for others. And we need to have compassion on one another. But it's possible in the kingdom to give that over to God and to live a life abandoned to the kingdom. And it'll take some work. It'll take some spiritual work. But Christ can work in you. Um, one other command that Jesus tells us that adds into this, one day at a time. One day at a time. Don't, don't think about the next year of needs. Don't think about the next 10 years of needs or where am I going to be. One day at a time. If we do that, if we strive first for the kingdom of God, we can live a peace-filled life in the kingdom perspective. What a joy that is. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in these moments, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Would we allow you to examine our worries and our fears, our anxieties? And may through those pains, may you illuminate for us where we need to work, where we need to draw closer to you, where we need to trust you more, and where we need to recognize that we're placing our hope or our strivings, Lord. And during this time of prayer and communion, may you provide Christ's presence and grace for us to realign our hearts in line with you, that we might seek first the kingdom of God. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As our servers come down and we prepare for a time of more prayer and communion, I just, as I prayed for, just allow God to search your heart, uh, open yourself to him. Um, and say, well, what am I worried about most in life? What, where am I struggling with anxieties? Kind of run through that list I ran through. Those, those three things. Am I trusting God to be in that situation? Am I placing too much hope in that need? And am I seeking first the kingdom? Allow your anxieties to speak to you like your nervous system. Um, day in and day out, and God will help you. If you are faithful to open yourself, if you're faithful to pray, to reach out to God, God will be faithful to bring healing and help in your life. And what we do in communion is that we come to Christ and we receive his grace. We believe this is a means of grace. You don't have to be a member of our church to partake. All that we ask is that you do strive first for the kingdom of God, that you give your life over to Christ and choose to follow him. And I want you to think about as you come up, as you pray, that you are releasing all of that and choosing to trust Jesus, even through the storm, even whatever comes, that you'll trust him and that your only striving will be the kingdom of God by the power of his grace. On the night our Lord is betrayed, after giving thanks, he broke the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat, whenever you do, in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood shed for you. Take, drink, whenever you do, in remembrance of me. I'd invite you to pray in your seats before you come down to communion or you can pray in an altar, but let us leave our burdens with Christ. Let us cast all of our cares upon him and allow him 
Allow his grace to sort out the strivings of our hearts. Come when you're ready and receive that grace. Let's continue in time of prayer. Lord, we thank you that you do care so much for us, that you know our needs, and you know the desires of our hearts, Lord. You look as a, to us like children whom you love and delight in and that you want to provide for, that you want to have that relationship with, that we can trust in you and we can depend on you. And what a beautiful opportunity that is. Lord, we confess sometimes we try to take the power in our own hands or we think it's all up to us. Forgive us when we do that, Lord. And we ask that your grace would keep us close to you. May we keep our eyes on Christ and your kingdom, Lord. And may that be our only hope, our only yearning, our only striving. And may we have the faith and the eyes to see how everything else will fall into place. That whether we go through thick times or thin times, your grace is sufficient. You will be there with us, seeing us through it. And Lord, I, I just pray as the worries or the stressors of this life come upon us, that we'd be faithful and remember to turn to you and allow your grace to free us from the burdens of this world, Heavenly Father, that we would cast all of our cares upon you through prayer and confession. And Lord, uh, I pray for those who are hurting or struggling this morning, those who are dealing with chronic anxiety or fear, Lord, may you help them in their spirits and their souls and in their minds, Lord. May you touch them. May you free us from that burden. For those that are dealing with physical ailments, uh, we think of Brother Ray and his uh, daughter, Margie, who has suffered the stroke but is recovering. Lord, we thank you for her miraculous recovery, and we pray that you continue to work in her life. Help Brother Ray sustain him through this time as he helps his daughter. We thank you for the answers of prayer, Lord, for those uh, healings that have come through, and we thank you for the good report from Ken and his biopsy, and we thank you for uh, the continued recovery of Brother James, Lord, and we just give you praise for these. Um, and we just lift up the unspoken prayer requests that we uh, failed to mention this morning for those dealing with physical uh, burdens and diseases or cancer, Heavenly Father. Be with them, touch them, heal them, we ask. Lord, we, uh, we lift up those who are around us struggling spiritually, uh, who aren't striving first for the kingdom of God, Lord, that are still laboring out in this world and, and seeking the things of this world who might be in our friend circles or our family circles. May we show them a better way. May we show them the way of Christ by how we live in word and deed, Heavenly Father. May we tell them the good news that we don't have to labor like that. We don't have to carry that burden, that you can be Lord of our lives and provide for us. So may this week, may you just draw people into our path that we can impact in that way, that we can show the light of Christ to Heavenly Father, and may we be faithful to respond. We lift up uh, our district superintendent here, Greg Mason. May you bless him, give him wisdom for his work, and and we just pray that you bless the work of the church in Nazarene and all the global church, your church, Heavenly Father, wherever it may be found. May you increase your kingdom. May your kingdom be advanced, Heavenly Father. And we do pray for those who are putting their lives on the line for the sake of the gospel, those who are being persecuted, those who are risking it all to spread the faith, Heavenly Father. May you bless them and protect them. Lord, we lift up now our, our local and our state and our national leaders, Lord, our judges and senators and all those in authority, and we pray that you'd bless them, 
Uh, give them wisdom and grace to carry out their duties. And may we promote peace and justice wherever we can, Heavenly Father. May we treat our own citizens rightly, and may we treat all of the citizens of the world rightly and promote peace there as well. Lord, we, we thank you for all of our many blessings. May we never lose sight that you are our sole provider. You are our sole caregiver. You love us so much, Heavenly Father. And may we find the freedom in that. And may we return faithfulness and love back to you. Help us to pray that prayer you taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Church family, would you stand with me? Well, I hope you can make it to the afterglow with the desserts. This is one of the few times that seeking first the kingdom of God and seeking first food for the stomach will come in line. And so I hope you'll take that opportunity. Um, But no, know that God cares about you. God sees you. God will be with you. So don't carry the burden of anxiety and worry. Give that over to Christ. Trust him and seek first the kingdom of God. There is great joy and peace to be found in his kingdom. Thanks for listening in today. I hope God continues to speak to you in the days to come and that you find whatever is the next step for you in your life. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website at ashnaz.org or feel free to stop by the church anytime. We'd love to see you. God bless.